pray with me? Lord, we thank you so much for the chance to be together this morning. God, I thank you for the beautiful and sweet service we've already experienced. And I pray as we look into your word for a few minutes, God, our hearts will be open and, and tender. And God, realize that, that your word requires a response. And I pray that we will respond to you properly this morning. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Would you give Heather another hand for a beautiful job? Russ, thank you and your team for a great job. That was the last Christmas song we may hear uh, until next December, at least here, and that was a great way to put a finishing touch on it, wasn't it? Okay, this will be the last Christmas joke that you'll hear from me until... Until next December, maybe. I may just do this through July. Who knows? Okay, Santa Claus. After Santa Claus goes shopping with Mrs. Claus, what is his name? St. Nicholas. Brenda Martin, fbcruston.org is the, the finder of those jokes. Christmas. What do we do after Christmas? You know, this is a weird Sunday because we're... Not ready to talk about the the Easter series yet. We're two days past Christmas, so we we have a Christmas theme today. But there is, I think, some great thoughts about what do you do after Christmas. There's some really bad thoughts, too. Several years ago, the San Francisco Chronicle, on December 27th, their newspaper, actually put in their paper some things people did after Christmas. A lady named Brandy was not happy with the presents she got at her mother-in-law's house, so apparently she threw a Molotov cocktail, if you don't know what that is, that's kind of a homemade bomb, into her mother-in-law's house, causing over $200,000 worth of damage. Thank goodness no one was injured. Let me give you a piece of Christian advice. If you don't like the gifts, don't burn their house down. Amen? Man, here's another thing, a lady and her, I guess her boyfriend in in, uh, Victoria, British Columbia, were leaving their house where they had been celebrating, and she was given the job of taking the tree out, the real tree to get rid of it, and he was carrying the presents. Well, he complains to her that the presents are heavier than the tree. It angers her. She beats him over the head and the body with the tree, ends up hurting him, and he gets arrested. That's not the best thing to do after Christmas either. Would you agree with that? Probably not a good thing. Well, Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2, a beautiful and familiar story about some people we know or don't know, but we know about, we sang about, the wise men. I want to I wanna give you a couple of thoughts. And here's, the, here's a, a big thought this morning. It's not too late to celebrate Christmas. It's not too late to celebrate Christmas. Christmas is two days in the rearview mirror. It's not too late. It may be too late to celebrate Halloween and feel normal. I was going to say it might be too late to vote, but I'm not sure if that's true or not in America anymore. That is supposed to be funny, and if you keep up with the news, that is kind of funny. But it's not too too late to celebrate Christmas if the, the spirit of Christmas is about Jesus and love and everything it involves. And, and by the way, we're going to see there were some people who were late to the Christmas birth celebration. In verse 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, 
in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. We looked at this passage two weeks ago, so some of it will be reviewed for, for those of you who are here. We don't know a lot about these guys. Were they from Asia? Were they from Persia? Were they Medes? We do know that they were almost certainly astronomers. They were Bible scholars, people who were serious about God and knowing God. There's an interesting passage in, uh, in what we'll see in a moment, but in Numbers that talks about a star, possibly. You could look this up later, Numbers 24, 17, that a lot of people believe is prophetic. They may have understood the Bible well enough to know that this was talking about something great that was happening. We don't know how many wise men that they, there were. Russ, let us just sing that beautiful song, We Three Kings of Orion Are. Uh, it could have been three. We estimate three by their gifts. They gave three gifts. It may have been 30, may have been 50. We, we don't know how many that there were. But we know they were godly, intelligent, wise people who were seeking God. And in verse 2, it says, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it arose, and we have come to worship him. Now, Here's the thought I want you to hold on to. They probably traveled 900 to 1,000 miles one way to get to where they were going. And they would have done that by walking, by donkeys, or by camels. So, in other words, they invested a, a probably two years of their life, or maybe more, into this cause and what, what we now know as Christmas. Verse 3 through 6 the story continues. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. And he assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people and asked them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people of Israel. If you're taking notes, that is a quote from Micah 5.2 in the Old Testament. These scholars knew exactly where Jesus was supposed to be born, where the Messiah was going to be born. Micah 5.2, they quoted it. In verse 7 through 11, Herod summoned the wise men and secretly ascertained what time did the star appear. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. I love this in verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they fell down and worshiped him. And they opened their treasures. They offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, in verse 11, there's a lot of great things, but it says, you notice they came into the house, not into the barn, not into the stable. It also says Jesus was a child. Now, the Greek language the New Testament was written in had a specific word for a newborn baby and a specific word for what we would say a toddler, just like we would say a newborn and a toddler. So Jesus was probably, we know from the rest of this narrative, anywhere from a year to, to close to two years, probably a year and a half old. A lot of people would believe about a year and a half old. So it's very interesting. The wise men were late for Christmas, weren't they? I mean, they showed up about a year and a half earlier. Now, I said this two weeks ago, but I think it's always fun to remember. Your nativity scene is biblically incorrect. You know that, don't you? 
I mean, you got little Jesus in the manger, correct. You got a little barn. You got Mary and Joseph there. You got shepherds. And then you got the wise men and the cattle and all that. But the shepherds actually, if the nativity scene is on the stage, they should be somewhere on Trenton Street. That'd be a weird nativity scene, wouldn't it? Because they didn't get there at the barn. They got there when Jesus was already about a year, year and a half old. The shepherds came the night Jesus was born to the barn. The wise men get there when Jesus is already a, a, a little child. He's a little child, but he's not a newborn baby. And so here's what I want to throw at you this morning that I think is really important. Some of you didn't handle Christmas well. You didn't handle others well. You hadn't handled Jesus well. But it's not too late to celebrate Christmas. It's not too late to honor God and to honor other people. If the spirit of Christmas is about Jesus and loving Jesus and loving people, by the way, that's something we can celebrate in July as much as we celebrate in December. I want to give you two things today that you can do on the 27th of December just as well as you could have done on the 25th. You can do them next week or next month or, or in the months of the follow. Hopefully, you'll do them every day. Here's the first thing. You can still express your love to others. You can still express your love to others. One of the things Christmas ought to be about is Christmas ought to be about loving other people. Now, I know what's ultimately about Jesus. I'll get to that in a moment. But if you're about Jesus, you're about other people if you know anything about Jesus. I want to give you two ways that I think you and I can express. There's a ton, but I want to give you two thoughts on expressing our love. One is with gifts. One is with gifts. Men, you need to hear this story. When I was a young pastor, I had a lady tell me a story. When they, her and her husband got married, they hadn't been married long, and Christmas came. He asked her, honey, what do you want for Christmas? And she said, oh, you don't have to get me anything. You don't have to get me anything. Men, that's a lie. That's a lie. You know what this small-brained guy did? He honored her request. And on Christmas Day, when the family was around and everybody was opening gifts, she looked at him and said, what'd you get me, honey? And he said, you told me you didn't want anything, and I didn't get you anything. Of course, she immediately leaves the room, goes to the bedroom, cries for two hours. That was back before you could run somewhere and get a gift on Christmas Day. Needless to say, from they've been married 30 or 40 years now, every Christmas since then, you know what he's done? He's got her a gift. That's a pretty wise decision, isn't it? In verse 11, it's pretty neat when they came, they came to the house. It says, they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We're going to look in, in a moment more about some of the, the biblical and spiritual meanings there, but that was also very practical. In verse 13 through 15, this doesn't get much attention in the Christmas narrative, but when they had departed, the wise men, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and the mother and flee to Egypt. Remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child Jesus to destroy him. They arose and took the child and his mother in the middle of the night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son. Now, folks, see, Herod was going to try to kill Jesus. So here's Mary and Joseph. They live in Nazareth. They're in Bethlehem. They, they may have been staying with family at this point, but they're displaced and all, you know, they're, they're having a hard time. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, they are told, get up now and go to Egypt, another country, not easy to get to from there, not far, but not easy to get to then, and go and live there probably for several years. 
You know what that takes? M-O-N-E-Y. That takes resources. And these gifts of gold and incense and myrrh have great spiritual significance. Man, but they blessed this family. They honored them and they blessed them and they helped them. You know, we, we can be too gift-oriented for sure. But one way you express your love is by giving to other people and by giving them your gifts. Another story when I was a young pastor, I had a man come to me and, and he was, they didn't have much money. And he had heard some preacher rail against Christmas and rail against gifts and rail against all the, these kind of things, materialism. And the preacher was probably about 10% right, 90% angry. You, you've heard that before. And he asked me, he said, is it okay? He had little kids. He said, Can, is it okay for me to get my kids gifts for Christmas or is that sinful? When you've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old and a six-year-old, you know what? When you, you could go overboard by, by, by you getting them gifts. You're showing them you love them. It's an expression of love. William Barclay was a great New Testament scholar. And he said one time, he said, if the worst part of commercialism means a husband spends a little too much money on his wife, our parents spend a little too much money on their kids, so be it. I agree with that. One way you, you can show love to people, and it's not too late to go buy a gift tomorrow. Believe you me, the sales are going to be on the next week, we know for sure. It, one way is buy your gifts. But I would also tell you this, not just buy your gifts, there's other ways you can show expressions of love. I want you to think about this with me. These wise men, they, they're going to worship Jesus. It's going to be a spiritual thing we'll see in a moment. But, but they're expressing love to this baby Jesus, the human God Jesus, and to his parents. They took two years out of their life to do that. And one way you and I express love more than any other, I mean better than the gifts, is when we give our time, we give our attention, when we give our effort and focus to people. Encourage them with your words, with your notes, but I want to go back to that with your attention and your focus. Don't tell somebody you love them, you just don't have time for them. Don't tell them you love them, you just, you, you can't prioritize them or, or give them any of your time and attention. Man, it's not too late to celebrate Christmas when Christmas is about Jesus and about love and living out the faith. And when you show people by your giving, I don't have much money. I can't give much. Give what you can. But when you show it by your, your time and your priorities and your focus, you're, you're giving people what the spirit of Christmas is about. It's not too late to celebrate Christmas with other people. But I want to tell you this, too. It's, it's, it's not too late to celebrate Christmas with Jesus. You can still respond properly to Jesus this Christmas season. I, certainly you can still respond properly to Jesus as long as you're breathing and conscious. But we're two days past Christmas. I want to ask you to, to seriously this question. Have you responded to Christ this Christmas? Maybe the materialism, the COVID, the, the bitterness or the troubles in your life have got you consumed. Have you responded to Jesus properly this Christmas? We saw a few weeks ago there's certainly wrong ways to respond to Jesus. 
Responding to Jesus doesn't mean you're doing it right. Herod wanted to kill him. The religious leader's response was, ah, who cares? We know where he's born. We know the facts. We know the Bible. We're just not going to act on it. Sometimes we just don't know how to respond to Jesus. How many of you saw the movie Christmas Vacation? Old movie. I want to show you a clip about somebody responding to a spiritual uh, question or an ask. Before we begin, since this is Aunt Bethany's 80th Christmas, I think she should lead us in the saying of grace. Many of you agree Aunt Bethany needs some help on how to respond to Jesus? You may not know either. I want to give you two simple ways today that you can with a sincere and pure heart that you can honor God. Here's the first thing, and that's by your giving. That's by your giving. Talked about giving to other people. But in verse 11, this is also given to Jesus Christ. Going into the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they fell down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Wow. Seneca was a philosopher who was born right at the time Jesus was born. And he said, no one ever approached a king without a gift. Isn't it kind of neat? He's this little baby. They knew the prophecies they followed God through the star and they knew when they got there who this was you can tell by their response we'll see more in a moment who they know who he was and they knew that if you approached a king and here's King Jesus that you approached him with a gift and the gifts had such significance the first thing they they gave him was gold you know what you gave a king back in that day if you approached the king of Rustin you gave him gold that's what you gave him Frankincense, that sounds like a weird gift. That's incense, but that was the type of incense used in the temple when the priests were working. And see, Jesus was born as the king. He is the king, and he'll be the king forever. Jesus is our high priest. He's the one that intercedes before the Father. He's our go-between, you and me and the Father. And it says myrrh. You know what myrrh was used for? Embalming dead bodies. Now, would you agree with me that it would be kind of weird to bring some embalming fluid to a baby shower today? (laughs) By your response, I guess not. That would be weird to me. I would prefer you didn't do that to any of my grandkids or whatever. But see, the meaning of this was, was, was deep. They understood, supernaturally they must have understood, that Jesus was coming to be our sacrifice. 
I want to tell you this morning, how you give to God, your gifts matter. They really do. You say, well, I don't have any gold to give yet. Yeah, you do. It's probably in a gold card, but you got it. You have frankincense and myrrh, cash it in and bring it to the church. Probably would be best. Have you given of your resources to God like you should? It's the way you show Him you love Him. It's one way. How can you practically do that? We have a Lottie Moon foreign mission offering we take up right now. That's a great thing to give to. We have a building fund we're paying off. Your regular tithes and offerings. You say, well, that doesn't sound too spiritual. That doesn't sound too Christmassy. Man, when God gets your heart, he gets your billfold too. One of the neatest things at the very first Christmas scenes, obviously they were late for Christmas, just like we are today. But one of the things they did is they came bringing gifts. You can celebrate and honor Jesus this Christmas by your giving. But I want to give you the second thing, and I think this is the key thing. It really should have been the first thing in the sermon because it's the first thing. Your gifts always follow this. Not only by your giving of your gifts, but by, by surrendering to him. You know what Jesus wants more than anything else? He wants you. And when he's got you, he'll have your gifts. In verse 11, it says, They came into the house. They saw the child marrying his mother. They yawned and they sat down. And they said, We've heard this lesson before. Right? It says they fell down. Like a tower or wall falling. Wasn't planned. Wasn't trying to get attention. Wasn't a spiritual act to say, look at me. They fell down when they came into the presence of Jesus. And they worshipped him. A lot of confusion on what worship is or what worship isn't. It's a, it's a hymn. It's a chorus. It's a piano. It's a guitar. Worship can be all of those. It can be none of those. Worship literally means to prostrate yourself. It means to fall down. It means to means to surrender yourself. You worship God through music or through a message. You worship God when you surrender yourself to God. You know what God wants from you two days after Christmas? You know what he wanted from you on Christmas Day, what he's going to want from you tomorrow? A gift that you need to give him today and you need to give him every day, and that's you. The greatest gift you can give him is the gift of you. It's kind of neat, too, that kind of shows you their thinking, their understanding. In an Oriental culture, especially a Persian culture, when you greeted someone, this would be man-to-man or woman-to-woman, by the way, if you came to someone who was an equal, you would kiss them on the lips, man-to-man. That's kind of pre-COVID, obviously, wasn't it? If someone was slightly your superior, you would kiss them on the cheek. But if you came into the presence of someone that was far superior than you, you knelt down and you put your forehead on the ground in front of them. Here are these scholars, these older men, when they walk into the presence of this baby, they fall down on their face before him. You know what God wants from you this Christmas more than anything else is you. He wants you. It isn't too late to celebrate. It's not too late to give to other people gifts and your love and your attention. And it's certainly not too late this morning to give to Jesus. Maybe it is your money. 
but certainly it's yourself. Just a second, we're going to stand and have a, an invitation, give you the opportunity if you want to come and pray at the altar. I'll give you the opportunity to make some more decisions in a moment. We'll be willing, happy to talk to you after church if there's a decision that you'd like to make too. I want to challenge you this morning. Where you're standing, maybe you want to come to the altar to surrender to God, to resurrender to God. Let him have your all this Christmas season. Let's stand. You come now. God have all of you let him have all of you let him have your money your time let him have you are you expressing that love to others like you should do that maybe you're here today or you're watching or listening and you've never given your life to Christ our prayer is this morning that you would do that and if you're ready to do that pray with me pray with me and just say Jesus I'm a sinner And I want to repent of my sins. Jesus, I believe you're God's son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart. And I surrender my life to you, Jesus.